Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs, the series where I try to take a bit of the Bible and break it down to make it understandable even to those who haven't heard much before. Welcome in today. Today we're going to continue with our little Luke series that we've got going on. We're starting into kind of this intro to the Bible type idea, and hopefully the things we say are beneficial to you. Whether you're an old-time Christian or a new-time person who's not familiar with the Bible or Christianity at all, I hope this is accessible, I hope this is understandable, and if you haven't heard the first episode, I might recommend that you go and do that. Last time, what we talked about was an intro to the Bible itself. What is it? How does it work? What is it about? And why should I listen to it? Uh, All of those things we kind of discussed last time, and it was a bit longer of an episode, but hopefully it's a good foundation from which we can now build off of it. For a brief review, for those who don't go and listen to the other one or who have forgotten because it's been a week, for a brief overview, essentially the Bible as we have it, is a book, a fantastic book that's been formed in many ways over many years, and it just came together. It was assembled, and now we have a compilation of great historical writings that also happen to be true. These these all come together to form a story about a man named Jesus. And so, to introduce you to what the Bible's about, we really need to talk to you about Jesus. Specifically, we're going to go to the Gospels, the first section, the first four books of the New Testament. If you found the table of contents, it's those first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are Gospels which tell you all about the life of Jesus. Specifically, we're going to hone in on Luke because I think he's the most approachable for a generic audience who's never heard of religion before, who's never pursued Christianity before, um, I think it's it's best to start there, and it provides a very seamless transition into the life of the church and what the church is today and how we today, even 2,000 years later, can be following this Jesus and can call ourselves Christians. With that in mind, we're starting with the Bible. We're starting in the Gospels. We're beginning in Luke. Here's an introduction to what Luke is about, and I would ask you to turn to Luke chapter 1. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you're going to need to know the, the the lingo that we use, right, the phraseology that we use, and sometimes we miss this, but people who, who don't know this can get lost very easily. In the Bible, each book, each, each, uh, how do I back up to this? The Bible is split into two sections. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament, like we talked about last time. Hopefully, you still remember that. Inside each of those testaments, there's a number of books. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. These break down in, in each book. Those are split into chapters, Each book has a variable number of chapters, and essentially a chapter is meant to encapsulate one theme or idea, and so you have a set of stories that all go together. We'll label those as one chapter. Um, It's not always perfect because the chapters were added by people who sometimes just were adding stuff, and it's not a perfect system but it seems to be a pretty good system, and it's the system that everyone's familiar with, and so we work within that system instead of trying to revolutionize the whole thing. The chapters are broken down. In Luke, you have 24 different chapters. Each chapter, if you're on the webpage or if you have a physical copy of the Bible, generally there will be a big number, and that indicates a chapter. 
here at the beginning of Luke. I don't have any kind of introduction. I just have a big one that indicates chapter one and everything else follows it. Now, as you're following through, whether you're online or whether you're in an actual paper copy of the Bible, as you follow through, you see little numbers every so often that indicate verses. So we'll be looking at Luke 1, 1 through 4. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, or you can shorthand that, Luke 1, 1 to 4, right? Uh, as I go through, I will try to clarify some of this, at least in the early stages, but as we keep going through, hopefully you'll get familiar with it. It's not a hard system, but it is unfamiliar to those of us who are just reading straight through. Go to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Go to the first page. Should be chapter one, the big one, and you should find the first four verses. Oftentimes, these are set apart in their own little paragraph. The paragraphs are added by human insertion. Um, generally, paragraphs are pretty good. Not always. Uh, sometimes they miss a couple things, but generally, paragraphs are pretty good. And so, again, we generally stay within that format. These have been formatted into chapters and into paragraphs for a reason, because those ideas are typically clumped together. And so uh, there's good reason to generally stay within that. And this much is the case, because Luke 1, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, forms its own little section that's an introduction to the gospel of Luke on the whole. And so hopefully you're there, Luke 1, and let's start reading in verse 1. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. You can read from that one. You can read from basically any of them. They're going to use some different words sometimes, but the basic meaning and the general gist is going to be there no matter what version you use. There are some versions that are better than others, but that's a different conversation, and we can have that at a different time. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It uses fairly common English, and it's pretty easy to read and understand, and so I'm going to go with that for purposes of this series. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to read the first four verses, and I'm doing it out of the Christian Standard Bible. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. That's Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. You can see those little verse indentations that kind of tell you which verse is where, and, and you'll get used to it as you stick with this system. Luke 1, 1 through 4 is very, very simple. And again, you might have seen some variations in those words. Compile a narrative in verse 1. Um, a lot of Bibles say, I have, like, I wanted to write something about this. You know, okay, it's, it's the same idea. And so, again, don't get hung up too much on those things. Translations, English translations are translated from a Greek original, and so naturally we're going to use some different words depending on the people who are translating it, depending on the time in which it's translated. Uh, this is a translation that's made in the 2000s or 2010s, a translation from the 1600s. You know, it's going to sound a little bit different because we spoke different languages. They used Old English, we use 
modern English, and, and there's a differentiation there. But hopefully in that reading, you can see enough similarities to kind of piece it together and make sense of the whole thing. In Luke 1, 1 through 4, and this, this little section is going to serve as a paradigm for how we do every kind of study that we're doing, which is you look at the text, the verses that are there, the verses that are written written down 2,000 years ago, and you try to make sense of it in what he's saying and see exactly what those verses mean. And so in Luke 1, verses 1 through 4, you have a brief introduction to what Luke is going to talk about. You have a brief intro to the book as a whole. This is a 24-chapter gospel. If you want the short version of it, here it is right up front. Not every book will do this, but Luke's, Luke's gospel does, and it makes it easier for us to kind of understand and work with it. And so he says in verse 1, "...many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us." What does that mean? Well, a lot of people want to write about Jesus. What what Luke is going to write about is going to be Jesus, and so I'll go ahead and spoil that for you. Luke is going to write about Jesus. All of these events that have happened on earth that in that area that are strange and unbelievable sometimes, Luke says a lot of people have wanted to write this stuff down, and in, in verse 2, it's just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. There are people who saw these things. There are people who bore witness to these things, who would testify to it in a court of law, who would testify to it to their friends and family that they've seen this stuff, and they wanted to get it out there, and so they've passed it on to other people. Luke is a recipient. He is not an original eyewitness, but Luke has heard a lot from original eyewitnesses. In verse 3, it also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first. He's gone back to the original eyewitnesses of verse 2, to the servants of the word in verse 2. He's gone back. He's investigated. He has sought it out. And in his seeking, in his searching, in his looking for the truth, he has interviewed many people and tried to seek out what is right from what is wrong. Why is he doing this? He's doing this to write it down, to pass it on to the next generation. Many people wanted to do that. In the Bible, we have four different gospel accounts. Why? Because many different people wanted to write an account of the things that had happened and wanted to record it so that other people could know it as well. You know, as much as I can tell people about these kind of things right now, right here, right now, at some point, I am going to die, and then what? And then I'm not able to tell people things anymore. But if I write it down in a book, if I record it in a podcast, if I put it on the internet, then suddenly people can hear from me. My work doesn't die with me. My work continues on. That's the kind of thing that these people want to accomplish. We've got Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. We've got four different guys who wrote this stuff. There are seemingly many others who didn't make the cut, who either sought to start writing and never finished, or something happened to those writings, and something got in the way, and they just never published them. Many people have tried and yet I'm going to sit down, I'm going to make this an orderly account of what happened so that you can know for certain. In verse 4, 
I want you to know the certainty of these things in which you have been instructed Theophilus. Theophilus is the name found in verse 3, and Luke is expressing a desire here, a desire that Theophilus might understand and be assured that the stuff he's heard is going to be accurate. Theophilus it is a curious name, and people you know, have debated who this is. Um, most people, I, I think it's safe to say, most people would agree that Theophilus is somehow involved in the writing process. Now, often in these days, you would have um, you would have someone who was, you know, a little bit richer who would pay someone else to go and write for them. That's what that's where scribes came from. But they could also pay someone else to research for them and and write down their findings. And some people believe that Theophilus was one such character, someone who paid Luke to write down, to research and write down this Christianity thing. Theophilus has clearly heard something, right? What can we piece together from the text? That's really the the original question we have to ask. Theophilus is a guy. Luke is writing for him. Luke is writing to him so that he can be certain. Theophilus has heard something, Theophilus, maybe it's rumors, maybe it's full-on sermons, maybe he knows all about Christianity, but he wants it verified, right? Theophilus has heard something, and he wants to be sure of it. Luke is the way in which he's going to be sure. Luke is going to research and write down these things as he's come across them, as he interviews eyewitnesses, as he finds the servants of the word, as he finds people who are who have contacted Jesus as he finds people who are part of those first generation of believers, he's going to write things down and give it over to Theophilus so that Theophilus can be sure, because that's the point of this whole book. This is written not to a person who believes, but to a person who has heard some stuff and doesn't know what to believe, and Luke writes it in an effort, I think, to convince him, maybe just to inform him, but I think it's in an effort to convince them that what the eyewitnesses saw actually happened. What these people investigated, what these people lived through, what these people experienced for themselves, this actually happened, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Theophilus. Curious guy. Theophilus, the us at the end, is typically a Latin thing. Maybe Greek. Uh, Greek would end in os a lot of times, but Latin, if it's a masculine word, it ends in us, U-S. And theo comes from God, right? We have theology, right? Theophany. Theos is God, is Greek for God. Um, And philo, philos, I'm trying to etymologize here. Theo in Theophilus, stands for God. Philo, philo, like Philadelphia, right, is is one of the Greek words for love. And us is a masculine ending, which implies that this is to a guy. Maybe to a group of people, but I do think this is to a guy. It's written to a lover of God, quote-unquote, because that's what it stands for, right? God, Theo, uh, lover, Phyllis, it goes together. Theophilus is God, lover. I think it's written to a guy who is curious, a guy who's heard some stuff about Christianity but doesn't 
really know what to do with it, doesn't know what it means, doesn't even know how trustworthy it is. And so he asked Luke to write something down for him so that he can evaluate it for himself. He loves God. He wants to listen. He wants to know what is the truth, right? He wants to know if Jesus is so important. He wants to know if God is real. He wants to know if the Christian God is accurate while the the pagan gods of Rome might not be as accurate. He wants to know the truth. He wants to know who God is. He's seeking after it. And so he commissions Luke to research and write stuff down for him so that he can evaluate it. That's a theory. We don't know. We're never introduced to a man named Theophilus. Some people think that Theophilus stands for a whole church, a whole congregation of people who are collectively the lovers of God. That may be true. I don't, I don't personally hold that belief, but some people do. That might be true. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. Because the book is written to some person or group of persons who's heard some stuff about God but doesn't know what to do with it and is seeking a deeper understanding. If you're in that situation, if you've heard some stuff about God, maybe, if you're interested in looking into it, it may not be something that you believe. It may not be something that you hold true. It may be just something that you're curious about. By all means, you are able to seek after God. You can be a lover of God, too. You may not know what that means yet. You may not be able to define it, but you, too, can investigate God. God, in the Bible, is not afraid of investigation, because if something is true, investigate it all you want to. That's only going to reinforce how accurate it is. One thing about the Bible is it always asks you to investigate it more. It never hides itself. It never tries to shy away from from even the the questions that you have. It puts itself out there and asks you to investigate it and asks you to invest in it. And if you investigate, I think you'll find that it is very accurate. I've found that, all the investigation that I've done, and hopefully, hopefully, just like Theophilus, you too can be made more sure of those things in which you have been taught. And so, to that end, we're going to go ahead and call it here, but I'll ask you, as we're reading through Luke, keep in mind these few things. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at the person of Jesus, and so investigate what Jesus says. Jesus is going to say a lot of things. Some of these things you will not like, because some of these things I do not like. Even as a believer, I don't like all the stuff that he says. I wish he wouldn't sometimes, and yet he does. Okay, examine what he says. Is it consistent? Is it true? Is it something that resonates with with you, with us, with this world? Does it make sense with the society that we're in? Does it make sense in everything he's saying? Or is he saying stuff that's blatantly false? Is he saying stuff that doesn't make sense? Is he saying stuff that is not consistent within his own teaching? You got to investigate the things that he says. To back that up, investigate the things that he does. If Jesus is talking really well out of one side of his mouth, but is going around and doing the exact opposite thing, he's not worth following. He's not worth listening to. He can't be all that great. If he's just a hypocrite, it doesn't matter. Investigate the things that Jesus does. And thirdly, investigate the things that Jesus claims, because Jesus is going to say some very 
spicy things, as we might say today. I regret saying that, but okay, it's it's really true. Jesus is going to claim some things that are way beyond his league if he's just a human being. Is he or is he not? He's going to claim some things. He's going to say some stuff. He's going to do some things. I need you to investigate all of those. Is he consistent? Is he worth following? Is he true? And is he really the son of God? Those are things that he'll claim or claims that will be made about him. Is that stuff true? You've got to investigate him to figure it out. And lastly, as you're reading through, keep an eye out for this. Keep an eye out for the eyewitnesses that you will find throughout the text. In, I'll, I'll ask you to read the first three chapters for next time for this, the brief study that we'll do in the next, uh, next week. Read three chapters of Luke, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and ask yourself, who are the eyewitnesses of these things? Who is the person who saw all this stuff? Actually, just two chapters. Two chapters. It'll be easier. The first one's really long. The second one is, is not as long. Two chapters of Luke. Who is the one who's reporting all of this to Luke? How did Luke find out about this? And if you read it carefully, you'll see something interesting about who the eyewitness exactly is and where Luke's getting his information from. And maybe that'll give a little bit of credibility to the claims. So, read through Luke. That's what Theophilus was doing. Luke was originally commissioned, the first four verses indicate, Luke was originally asked to write something down so that Theophilus would would understand what he's hearing, so that he could believe what he's hearing, so that he could have substantial evidence to prove the things that he has heard. Luke is setting out on that goal, and he invites all of us along to hear him out and see what's reliable. What does Jesus say? What does he do? What does he claim? And where are the witnesses? How do we know that this stuff is true? That's what Luke opens with. Those are the first four verses, and every study we'll do throughout will be the same kind of thing. Reading through some verses and then pulling some points out of them, making some points clear. Uh, Sometimes I'll explain some historical things to go along with it to help it make more sense to our modern audiences, Uh, but all throughout it's going to be based on those simple verses of the Bible. Go ahead, read the first couple of chapters, and next week we'll talk about it. We'll summarize those. We won't read through them fully in this epi- in next episode, but we will summarize them, and I will make some points drawing from the chapters, and then going on from there, I'll stick strictly to the text. I'll read the text first and then kind of talk about it uh, instead of just picking the bits and pieces next time. Next time is an introduction into kind of where Jesus came from, and then we'll get into the life of Jesus as he actually lived it out personally. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, but more than that, I hope you benefited. Hopefully this is good and introductory, whether it's for those who have heard this before or those who have never heard this before. Welcome in, and I hope that you can benefit from hearing some of this. God bless, and I'll see you next time.